What happens after we die? Today on Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, Pastor Rick continues his series, Eternal Realities, Heaven and Hell. In these lessons, Rick shares what the Bible says about heaven and hell and how you can be absolutely certain you're going to heaven. This September, when you join our Partner in Hope family by signing up for automated monthly giving, we'll send you a special welcome gift as our way of saying thanks. To find out more, go to PastorRick.com or you can text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with part two of a message called The Reality of Hell. You get to choose where you will spend eternity. It's your choice. Now, this is the same kind of choice that God gave to Israel uh, in the Old Testament. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God says this to the people of Israel. He says, today, I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Now, you'll be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, or you'll receive a curse if you reject me, you, you rebel against me, you say, I'm gonna be my own God, and you reject me and my commands. Let me show you another verse. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 19, it says this. See, I have set before you today life and good or death and evil. He says, here's the choice. You can choose between doing good and life, or you can choose between doing evil and death. He says, if you obey my commandments, by loving the Lord your God. See, that's the most important commandment. The most important commandment is that you learn to love God with your heart and soul and mind and strength. And by walking in his ways, he said, if you do that, then he says, you'll live and you'll multiply and I will bless you. But, he says, if your heart turns away from me to worship other things. Now, why would anybody worship other things besides God? Because we want to. You can worship a lot. You can worship your car. You can worship your career. You can worship status or sex. You can worship your salary. You can worship possessions or position or power or prestige or popularity. You can worship yourself. Everybody has a God. Even atheists have a God. It may be themselves. But in you, there is an inbuilt, wired desire to worship. And if you don't worship the true God, you're gonna choose something else. And a false God is called an idol. And God says, you don't have any other thing before me. Anything you put before God in your life, you worship. If you put your career before God, if you put making money before God, if you put uh, having fun before God, anything you put before God becomes your God in your life and you worship it. And he says, if your heart turns away from me, to worship other things and to serve them, he said, then you will perish. Therefore, he says, choose life. You get a choice. Choose life that you may live. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's just suppose you were a drug addict and you're living in the gutter in Skid Row in, in, uh, in L.A., and your life has fallen apart because you are hopelessly addicted to drugs. And you're laying there on the side of the street by the gutter and you haven't bathed in, in uh, days or weeks and your life is a mess. And let's just say I come walking by and I feel pity, I feel uh, grace, I feel love toward you. And I say, you know what? Let me help you out. 
I tell you what, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to help you out. I'm going to show you grace. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you home to my house. And I'm going to give you a bath and I'm going to get you cleaned up and I'm going to give you a new set of clothes. But that's not all I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you live with me at my house and you can become a part of my family. In fact, I'm going to adopt you. And I'm going to, you can take the Warren name. And I'm going to pay off all your debts that you owe because you spent all that money on drugs. And I'm actually going to give you my credit card. And you have access to the entire resources of the Warren family. You got my name. You got my credit. You can live in my house. You're a part of my family. And I'm doing this simply because I love you. You don't deserve it, you don't earn it, you don't work for it, I just love you, and I want to show you grace. However, if you live in my house as a part of my family, there are some house rules. And you've got to abide by these rules if you're going to live in my house and be a part of my family. And rule number one is this. We don't do drugs in this house. We don't do drugs at all. So if you're going to live here and have access to all these free privileges and resources, we don't do drugs in the Warren house. Now, let me ask you three questions about that. Is it reasonable for me to expect that person to abide by the family house rules? Yes. I'm just showing them grace. If they're going to live in my house, then they ought to live by the rules that I set up. It's my house. The same is true with you. Let's say if you were going to say, hey, Rick, I'm going to be gone for a month and I have a house that's down by the ocean. And Rick, you can come live in my house and use it for a month. And you say, but there are a couple house rules. First, you may not jump up and down on the bed. <laughs> okay, is that as reasonable? No, it's your house. Your house, you get to make the rules. And if I'm going to use your house, then I should abide by the rules. You lock up here and this is what you do. You don't jump on the bed. Fine. That's reasonable. Now, if I offered you to come and say, come live at my house and you're on drugs and you reject it and you say, thank you for your offer, uh, but I'm going to choose to live on Skid Row because the truth is I love my drugs and I'm not willing to give them up. I'm not willing to give them up to be a part of your family. I'm not willing to give them up for all the other benefits because I love my drugs. And so I'm going to choose to live here on, on Skid Row in spite of your gracious offer. If you turn me down, would that be my fault? No, no, it would be your fault. And could you blame me for being unloving? No, I had done the loving thing to offer to help you get out of the situation. You couldn't blame me for being unloving. Now let's apply that same logic to going to heaven. Because I hear people all the time say, well, how could a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. You choose to go there. It's like there are two doors in eternity. And one goes to heaven and one goes to hell. And the one that goes to heaven says, you come to Jesus. This is the house rule. He's already paid for your ticket into heaven. He's already forgiven you. All you got to do is accept it. You just accept what he's done for you. It's a free gift of grace. You go to heaven. You want to go to hell? You just do your own thing. You say, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be my own God. I don't want God. Make, I don't want anybody telling me what's right or wrong. I don't want to tell anybody tell me what to do. I want to run my own life. 
Now, if I choose to walk out this door, I certainly can't blame God. He's done everything possible for you to go to heaven. He's already paid for it all. He's made it so easy, you just have to accept it by faith. And if I say, thank you, no, I'd rather stick with what I love more, then that's not God's fault. That's my fault. It is a choice. Does God have a right, question, does God have a right to make house rules for his house? Well, yeah, it's his house. And in heaven, he has a right to say, you wanna come to heaven, here's how you get here. How do you get here? Not by earning it, not by working for it, not by being good, but simply by accepting the grace that his son did for you by dying on the cross for you. And if I reject his condition for entering heaven, he's not being unloving, I'm just being dumb. He's not being callous, I'm just being illogical. And can anybody blame me, can anybody blame God if I choose to say, I'm gonna go my way out this door into eternity? No, it's my choice. Now there's one other uh, uh, eternal uh, reality we need to cover before we can actually look at the, the, the text today. And that is this, there's no chance, there's no second chance after you die. You get to choose where you're gonna spend eternity, but you have to choose now while you're alive, not after you're dead. In other words, I can't walk out this door my way and then say, oh, oh by the way, I don't like this. I wanna go back over here. No, God says, I gave, you an, I gave you an entire lifetime to make the right decision, and you didn't take it. You kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I gave you an entire lifetime. So there is no halfway house between heaven and hell. There's no little intermediate state. There's no limbo. There's no purgatory. Now, I know many of you were raised Catholics. Friends, purgatory is not in the Bible. The word is not even there. It's not a Bible idea. It's not something Jesus or God taught. It's something that was, was created 800 years ago in the Middle Ages. Purgatory is not even in the Bible. In fact, Catholics don't even believe it anymore. Pope John Paul II stated in a very public way that purgatory was not a real place. And uh, 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 Bishop, I mean, I mean uh, Pope uh, Benedict uh, uh, let the newest catechism of the Catholic Church, the word purgatory isn't even in there anymore. They've taken it out. Why? Because it's not in the Bible. It's a theory that was created during the Middle Ages. Now, Jesus, when he was dying on the cross, and there was a guy next to him who had been a criminal his entire life. God had done only bad his entire life. And on his last seconds, he has a deathbed conversion. And he's dying on the cross next to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into paradise. That's all he knew about salvation, is Jesus can save me. Remember, he didn't know all the doctrines, he didn't know all the fancy words, he didn't know all, the, all of the back behind it, he just said yes to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, you're gonna have to spend about a year in purgatory. <laughs> no, that's not at all what he said. Jesus looks at the guy next to him and he goes, today you'll be with me in paradise. Boom, that's it. What does it take to get into heaven? You say yes to Jesus Christ. He says today, not next week, not next month, not in uh, three or four years while people pray for you and hope you get out of limbo. No, he says today. 
The moment you die, you either go straight to heaven or you go straight to hell. And it's a choice here on earth. And God has done everything to make sure you get into heaven. And we're going to talk about that. That Jesus said, uh, or the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible says it like this here on the screen. They will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. The reality is there are two places. Now, friends, this is so important because what we're talking about today has your eternal destiny. Now, maybe some other time when I've been preaching, you've used it for a good nap time. This would not be a good week to take a nap (laughs) because your eternal destiny depends on this one. And I want everybody to be absolutely certain when we finish here today that when you go out, you know without a shadow of a doubt you're going to heaven. And there's every reason you can settle that issue today. So I want you to listen as if your life depends on it. Now next week we're going to talk about heaven, but today I want to ask four questions. Why does hell exist? What is it like? How do I avoid it? That's the important one. And uh, what do I do once I know all of this? First, what, why does hell exist? Well, there are two fundamental reasons. You might write this down. The first is because sin and evil exist. Sin and evil exist. Now, there's some people who want to deny the existence of evil. And they think that actually the world is full of people and we're basically good. That human beings are fundamentally by nature unselfish, always kind, always good and always thinking about others. And I want to say to you, have you turned on your television? Have you picked up a newspaper? Do you listen to the radio? You might want to just travel with me on one of my world trips because the world is filled with broken relationships, broken promises, rape, abuse, murder, child molestation, all kinds of evil, terrorism, people who strap bombs onto themselves, the world is filled with evil. It's all around you. We pick up the newspaper and we read about young, beautiful co-eds, student body presidents of their college who this week were shot randomly. Friends, that's evil. We read about people, little children picked up on the street and sold into sex trade trafficking. That's evil. Fundamentally, the Bible teaches that it is my nature to not think about you. It's my nature to be selfish, and it is your nature to be selfish. You think about you more than anybody else. You're not naturally thinking, what's best for other people? What's best for the world? What's be- what does God want me to do? You're thinking about, what do I want to do? What's easy? What's convenient? What would I like to do? Now, maybe if you lived 75 years ago in a little house on the prairie on a farm, you might think that people are basically good. But with all the media around us today, we know that the world is filled with evil. And evil things happen, and it happens all of the time. And what was true in Noah's day is still true today. Notice this verse up here on the screen. In Genesis chapter 8, 5, and 6, it says this. The Lord observed that the extent of people's wickedness, and he saw all their thoughts were consistently and totally evil. And he, that's God, was sorry that he had ever made them. He was sorry that he made the human race. And it broke his heart. God looked down on the world in Noah's day and he goes, man, what a mess they've made of this. What they do to themselves, what they do to each other, 
what they do to the planet that I gave them, they've really made a mess of this. They've really screwed it up. And that is the way God feels today. And it says it broke his heart. Did you know that God has emotions? Of course he does. In fact, the reason you have emotions is because God made you in his image. The reason you have the ability to feel, the reason you have the ability for your heart to be broken is because God is an emotional God and you were made in his image. And when God looks at all the things that are done in the world that are wrong and bad and evil, it breaks God's heart. And when people say to me, where is God? When people get molested and people are abused and people are betrayed, and where is God with the rape and the murder and the world, the world's terrorism and crime and all? Where is God? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's weeping. He's grieving. He's brokenhearted. He said, well, why doesn't he just stop it? Oh, he could. God could eliminate all the evil in the world just like that. Just get rid of all of us. Where do you think it comes from? It comes from our poor choices. You're not telling me you've always made every decision right that's never hurt anybody else. No, we hurt each other. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. If you've missed any part of this message, or if you'd like to find out more about Pastor Rick Warren and this ministry, just visit PastorRick.com, where you can listen online anytime. That's Pastor Rick with two R's in the middle, dot com. Be sure to sign up for Rick's free daily email devotional while you're there. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first... Over the last couple of years, we've all experienced worldwide changes and events that have impacted us in profound and sometimes unimaginable ways. For many of us, those changes will impact our lives for years to come. Pastor Rick believes that now more than ever, people need God's Word and the hope it brings. That's why he'd like to invite you to become a partner in hope. Here's Rick to tell you more. Friends, we believe that God wants everybody to be saved. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says God doesn't want anyone to be lost. That means you'll never meet a single person in your life who God doesn't love and who God doesn't want to be saved. Now, if God wants every person saved, then we should too. And that's why I started Daily Hope. You know, there are literally billions of people who've never heard the name of Jesus. And we can only reach them if we work together. And that's why I'm asking for your help. Would you be my partner in helping getting God's word out to the world, to the people who have no Bible, no believers, and no body of Christ? You know, there's nothing more important that we can do together than to help other people see God as he really is and to help them understand the depth of God's love and grace for them. It's your faithful support to this broadcast, Daily Hope, that helps us tell more and more people about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you'll make a monthly investment as a partner in hope, together we can broadcast this life-transforming message of the gospel through radio and through podcasts and online literally around the world. We need your support. If you choose to become a partner in hope with automated monthly giving, we'll also send you a very special welcome gift to show our appreciation. Go to PastorRick.com 
or just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Be sure to join us again next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.